loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together, we are stronger. Launching for the 2021 season, the MyJers membership programme is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash MyJers to join today. Always Rangers, always loyal, always rewarded. Hello everyone, welcome to the Four Lads Had a Dream podcast. It is episode 11, my name is Stephen Clifford. Um, and today we're joined by regular co-host, uh, Herald and Evening Times Group, Glasgow Times Group, um, Chris Jack, how are you? Hi Stephen, oh, all good thanks. Uh, uh, strange and wonderful times these, but always good to come on and uh, catch up and get a chat with Rangers. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, as we said on Twitter last week, we're going to try and do as many podcasts as we can, um, as many blogs and put out as much um, things to try and help everybody get through these times. And with that said, we have a very special guest today. I'm going to thank a couple of people who have helped set this up. Stephen at the Rangers Archives, he is at Old Rangers Video on um, Twitter. Please go and give him a follow. He has helped put us in contact um with Ian Ferguson today, who is our special guest, and also a, a thanks to Rab Marshall and Greg Marshall over at Loudoun Tavern, who also spoke to Ian um, and helped set this up. So before we, we speak to Ian, just to introduce him, Ian Ferguson um, has won 10 league titles at Rangers. He was part of the nine in a row squad. Um, he also won two trebles. Um, he won three Scottish Cup, five league cups, and he is a Hall of Fame um, member and also had a testimonial with the club. It's fair to say that Ian is very much a legend of Rangers. He started his career with Clyde before moving to St Mirren before getting his move to Rangers. He had a couple of years at Dunfermline before he went out to Australia. Um, during this time he also had nine caps for Scotland. Um, a pleasure to welcome him, Mr Ian Ferguson. How are you sir? I'm fine. And, uh, a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No, a pleasure is all ours. So Ian, um, before we get into things, Davy Cooper, um, it was his um, 25 years ago since we lost Davy. You played with Davy, obviously you shared a dressing room with him. What was Davy Cooper like? Oh, Davy Cooper was an absolute gem, a person. You know, he was, he was actually the light and soul of the, the dressing room as well. We you know a lot of people call him the Moody Blue, but he had a dry sense of humour, and um, he was an absolute. As I keep saying, you know, I can't speak highly enough, highly enough of the man. You know, uh, for me, um, being, going into Ibrox and seeing guys like Coops in the dressing room and um, Alan McCoy and Ian Durant and these, these guys. And Coops was always one of these guys that uh, would put an arm around you when you knew you were having a tough time and um, things weren't going for you. He was always there to help you and give you um, advice. And, uh, you know, uh, as a player, second to none, probably one of the most gifted players I've ever seen in my life and um, probably and arguably one of the best players ever to grace Ibrox. There were some special moments with um, Davy and in blue. Um, we've obviously seen some highlights over the last couple of days. Rangers have put out some great content. Is there any special moments that stick in your mind that um, when we talk about Davy Cooper that you really remember? Ah, again, not one particular. Just the, the Davy and his skills alone. Um, you know that left peg was just like a wand. You know he was one of these players that could, uh, you know, play the killer pass. Uh, scored an outstanding goal. You know, I remember one at Hamden, um, standing in, against Aberdeen, standing in the Celtic end at that time um, when uh, the Rangers fans were allowed in there. 
and I remember Coops hitting a free kick and I was right behind it and uh, you just seen it rifle right in the top corner and then I had the pleasure obviously being on the part with him uh, you know against Hearts one day and uh, you know he, 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 I think he tore Neil Berry I think it was and uh, you know the full back at that time I can't remember his name at this point um, but he absolutely gave him a, a roasting and um, you know they were they were trying to kick him and they just couldn't get anything near him he was that good he was that clever and uh, he just for me was as I keep saying it he's one of the best players that I've ever played, played with. Certainly as uh, David Cooper certainly a legend to the club and uh, I encourage any of the youngsters who don't know much about David Cooper um, to go and watch um, the videos and clips on him on YouTube he really was one of a kind. With that said Ian, um, let's talk a wee bit and we'll go on to your career now. Um, who were your early influences and who were your early career heroes growing up? Like growing up um, I, I went to I was taken to Ibrox at a very early age uh, with my dad, and um, we, when I used to go there, it was the, the late 70s. You know, guys like John Gregg, um, guys like uh, Jackson, uh, Alex McDonald, uh, players like that that uh, I was brought up with uh, in that era, and uh, they, they were guys that epitomised what Rangers was all about. And, and when you when you get taken to Ibrox and you're out with the crowds and you watch these players, it was always a dream come true um, to obviously try and be on that park and emulate some of these players. Uh, so me, that, that that was the influence was, was my father and, and players that I loved was guys like John Gregg and, and so on. You know, that era, as I said, they were players that, for me, epitomised what it was to play for Rangers. And, um, yeah, I was brought up with that era and uh, I loved all these players. Before your move to Clyde and then St Mirren, um, a scout, Andy Sawyers, was uh, instrumental in kind of scouting you and part of your recommendation to go to Clyde and then St Mirren before your big move to Rangers. What do you remember of your early days um, at Clyde and, and St Mirren but that, that helped um, earn you your, your dream move to Rangers? Well, I can remember getting an opportunity um, when I went to Clyde. Uh, it was Craig Brown that gave me the, the opportunity to, to play in reserve football. And for me, that was uh, was, was great. I, I'd got my foot in the door. I'd, I'd been involved in a semi-professional football team, if you'd like, part-time. Um, and I got that opportunity to play four or five reserve games. And then within that two months, I was then put, elevated to the first team. Um, and I really enjoyed it. You know, there was no pressures. It was great. You were going out there and you were obviously enjoying your football and playing your stuff. And and I wasn't there too long. You know, I, I think I was there for about 60 games or so. And maybe not even that. And then I, I got transferred to St Mirren at that time. I think it was John Clark that um, said to me that St Mirren were in for you and, and the club had come to an agreement on a fee and then I spoke to Alex Miller who was the St Mirren man at that uh, sorry St Mirren coach at that time um he gave me all the encouragement I needed uh, he told me he wanted me to play in the midfield he wanted me to be in his first team um liked what he seen when I was at Clyde and he said to me that regardless of you know to settle in you, you I was always going to get 10 games of a start to to obviously settle in and, and get playing in the Premier League because uh, it was quite difficult coming from part-time to full-time uh, but I, I loved it. I, I, to me, it was it was fitted like a glove. You know, you went in and done your training, didn't think of anything like over and and played, enjoyed. Um, and then my first game, uh, fortunately for me, in St Mirren, I got, I got a goal against uh, Hibs. Uh, we beat them one 0 that day, and then from there on in, I just settled in straight away and loved my time at St Mirren. Um, then uh, we we obviously got to the Scottish Cup final, uh, where we we won one 0 and again. The, the, quite happy that I got the winning goal um, and people say look that elevated you to Rangers but Rangers don't just buy you on 
scoring a goal in a cup final. Rangers were watching over a period of time. Um, and, you know, the goal obviously helped a little bit. But probably for me, it was one of my worst games in a St Mirren top. And uh, to, to get the goal, you know, people don't actually look at the whole game and, and think, well, you know, he was crap that day. But they look at the score and say, well, you know, he was a goal scorer. And that's what got the cup uh, to Paisley. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, over a period of time. I think I got over about a year and a half. And then I eventually got my dream move to Rangers. Um, but that took, that took a long time. Uh, that took over about three months um, to get there from start to finish. You know, there was a lot of speculation about uh, going down south. Then there was speculation going overseas. And then there was obviously speculation at Rangers. Um, for me, there was only one team that I wanted to go to, and that was uh, Rangers. When I, the minute I found out that Graham and, and Walter were in for me, I uh, spoke to Alex Smith and, and Jimmy Bone and, and told them where I wanted to go. But St Mirren made it difficult. You know, they wanted me to go down south to talk to some teams. And believe it or not, I was actually on my way. Uh, down to Manchester United to, to speak to Sir Alex Ferguson and um, I stopped the car and told him to turn around because my heart wasn't in it I didn't want to do it and I felt as if I was getting forced so I turned the car around, we turned the car around and that day we went back to Love Street and spoke to then um, the manager Alex Smith and, and said that uh, I wanted to speak to Rangers uh, that was the only team I wanted to go to and if they didn't they were going to lose a hell of a lot of money and they also have an unhappy player so, yeah, they gave me that opportunity within an hour and a half. Uh, I was speaking to them since. £850,000 was what it cost to take you to Ibrox. It's still a record sale for St. Mary's to this day. And if, if you think about it in that term, in, in the late 80s, that's, that's a hell of a lot of money. It would be, you know, if we looked in comparison today and to what it is now, it would be, I think it would be worth certainly millions, <laughs> possibly even £10 million. Um, but, so... Life at Ibrox um, starts under soonest. We don't we don't start that way. Um, there's a couple of defeats. We, I think we got beat to, to Pavernian in the first game. Yeah. And then possibly St. Mirren at home. I, my, my knowledge mm-hmm. is slightly um, kind of off at, at that period. But then it all, it all springs into life. Uh, Celtic come calling. And it's the first of a few heavy doings we give them that year. Uh, 5-1 that afternoon. What do you remember of that game? Is that a special game for you? Absolutely. Um, for me, you're always beating your, your enemy, um, if you might call them that. Um, That's okay, them. we can call them that. <laughs> <laughs> beating your old enemy and, uh, you know, was again being brought up, obviously, uh, to a stone throw from Celtic Park. Um, you know, was again, I loved it. Getting the opportunity to be on that park and, and to give Celtic, a, a, in fact, it was actually... It should have been a lot more that day. We were, we were going five, going on seven, eight, nine. And um, I always remember that particular day for, for Graham Soonis. Um, uh, and again, it was a bit of tongue-in-cheek from him. We were, we were 5-1 up. Um, then he came on and then he started um, his flick-overs and started dummying the ball and he started doing a few things where myself, Gerani, um, Bomber, um, McCoyst, Goffey, we were all very unhappy with him because we felt at that time there was still 20 minutes to go that we could have actually got six, seven, eight, nine. You know, we, we had them that day, we had them rattled and that was something that, uh, that even though we got the, the 5-1 result, it was it was a, a great triumph, a great victory for us. Um, but we wanted more. We wanted to go in there and, and you know, push the dagger in, as you'd say, and try and get more. Um, and unfortunately, we, we didn't. And it wasn't until the end of the game that Graham, we sort of gave him a bit of stick that he, 
and then I think the next day, I think somebody else told him and he came in and realised what, what he'd done. But he was playing to the crowd and the crowd loved it as well. And I don't even think some of the crowd realised it. <laughs> but we were trying to get more uh, that day um, because they, they loved it when he came on. And as I said, he was he was running over things, dumbing things, doing little flips on the corner. And um, yeah, they, he played to the crowd that day. But that's something that sticks in my head. That's certainly a great memory. I remember McCoy actually on the, that championship season um, video. He said uh, very similar, but it's amazing to think that um, we've just given them a, a tank in 5-1 and there's disappointment in the dressing room. That's, see, as a fan, that's that's brilliant to hear because um, we want that. But I do remember the wee clips of, of soon as he, there was one in midfield in particular where he, he pulls his foot over the ball and he looks one way and I can imagine the frustration from everyone else. Right, cut it, let's get the goals. But um, moving on as well, um, you... You get a cracking goal in the League Cup final, uh, a very special victory over Aberdeen, um, a long throw from Gary Stevens that's flicked on and a magnificent bicycle kick. And something that, maybe looking back, it's when we think of Ian Ferguson, when I think of Ian Ferguson, I think of Ian Ferguson, the ball winner, the very tough, hard midfielder. But that that's not really entirely who you were, and, and you were capable of moments like that. Also, there was a there was also a goal over Ashley as well that we went to Celtic Park and for the first time in eight nine years we actually won there we we won three one, um and, and there was a free kick there I won't ask you about that but first I'll ask you about the League Cup final what's your memories of that day and your goal? Yeah, look, it was a fantastic day occasion again. Um, you know, I think it was my first um cup final with Rangers and um, I remember. The long throw coming in, as you said, and, and Big Goffey, I think it is, plays a crucial part in this because I think it was Big McLeish that was coming in to try and header it and Goffey nudged him out of the way. And as that, he nudged him out of the way, Goffey's missed the ball and then it's just bounced right in front of me. And the only one way I'm going to get it is if I, if I try and do the bicycle kick and, and uh, it came off for me. You know, nine times out of ten, if you try that again, it'll, it'll be in amongst the Rangers fans. But it worked for me that day. And um, yeah, that's what I, I remember of it. It was great. It was... A fantastic feeling just seeing the ball, you know, fly into the net, and then obviously I, I ran towards the the main stand where my my family was sitting, and uh, yeah, that was a, a very proud moment for me. Right, let's get to this free kick then. Celtic Park Rangers and um, go there. Drinkle scores a lovely a lovely header, um, and there's a free kick. You rifle it in. Paddy Bonner kind of scoops it up in the air. Um, and McCoy is, is there to kind of force it over. Was that in or not? Are you having that goal? Look, I would love to take the, the credit for the goal. Um, and I, again, against your old enemy, I'd love to, to take that credit. Do you think Coisty would give you that goal? No, he's not. I was just about <laughs> to say, unfortunately, the, I think the pundits gave it to McCoy that day. Um, but for me, uh, looking at it on TV, it looks as if it's in. But Coisty makes a great... You know, I, he actually tells me, he said, look, if, if I didn't um, follow that and Paddy could have sco- scooped it out and we wouldn't have got the goal. So what he was basically saying was he was making sure it was it was in over the line where he, he took, I think, took Paddy Bone and uh, a defender over the line with him to get that ball in the net. So to be honest, look, I don't really care who scores against them as long as we beat them. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think it was 2-1 that day that we, we, we win. And, and I think it was our first victory in nine years uh, at Parkhead. So to get that victory and go there and play the way we did in the manner we did, um, you know, was, was really pleasing. And I think that was a sign of things to come under uh, Graham and, and Walter. So, yeah, look, did I get the goal? I didn't get applauded for it, but um, I, certainly would, uh, I certainly would claim it. Sure, it might be able to tell us um, better than this. I'm pretty sure that's the day that Chris Wood saved a penalty and, and we won there. And 
I think two ones correct. Yeah. Um, Trinkle definitely scored a header um, across from. I'm sure it was Walters in the right. And yeah, the and, was, yeah. And Trinkle. So that was at that point under Sunis, we were breaking the kind of barriers down. We we then beat them four one as well. Um, just after um, the return game at Ibrox, and again they scored early. Chris yeah, Morris right. scored early, and, and we again we, we blew them away. Ian, you also spoke a bit about there uh, about Graham Tunis, the uh, the player. What was uh, Graham Tunis, the man, like? And I've I've had the uh, pleasure to speak to him a couple of times over over the years and uh, interview him a couple of times. You obviously see him on the TV and we speak to him. A really impressive character. Now, what was it like to uh, to work with on a a day to day basis? Just the, the type of guy, the type of manager. I'm assuming that every every player wants to wants to play for and work under. Absolutely. Um, you know, I th- I felt Graham for me was was an honest guy. And what I loved about him was the discipline that he brought to the dressing room. Um, you know, it was, I what I'm get told in the past, players were getting away and doing what they wanted and turning up late, turning up when they wanted to, and coming in how they wanted to dress and so on. Graham apparently brought all that back, the discipline about being on time, uh, making sure the dressing room was policed correctly, making sure that everybody turned up your call and tie. Again, it made Rangers a wee bit different from everybody else, and I loved getting in like that, and I loved uh, I loved what the man brought to Ibrox. Um, you know, not only that, he then started bringing uh, quality players, um, you know, into Ibrox where we were actually competing and uh, winning things, um, which we weren't doing for a long time. So again, me, he was a, a straight shooter, uh, and this is the way I see him, He's, he was a straight shooter, and if you mess with him uh, in front of people, there was only going to be one winner. Um, but you could have a ding-dong, and I did have a couple of ding-dongs going behind closed doors, but it was respectful, and, and he respected that, and I respected him. And um, never always won right enough. He was, he was always the one was, was always right. And um, But he listened to you, and that's what I liked about him. He would listen to you, and he would, he, you would allow, you'd be allowed to put your opinion over, um, uh, as I said, and, and that's what I loved about him. He was, uh, for me, uh, he made it in uncertain terms that he was a boss, and, and that's what we needed. Uh, we needed that in that Ibrox day. He was that leader. He was the one that was taking the whole club forward. And uh, and all he wanted was his players to follow. And we and we did that. Given how, how big a figure he was then, when, it, you know, when the news comes out that he's heading back down the road to uh, to go to Liverpool, what was the key mood in the, in the camp then? Was it a, always a case of, well, Walter's there, he'll pick up where we left off? Or was there a, a bit of key trepidation about what might lie next? Because you know, how, how do you follow Graham Zunas? Yeah, look, I think that was always, uh, again, it was what well, was obviously going to be unknown. I think that was his first managerial job as an head coach. Um, uh, and to getting the Rangers job, you know, was, was an absolute massive job. Um, but to follow Graham, and, and, and as I said before, Walter done a lot of the training anyway. Um, and, and he was always, in, again, putting an arm around people, giving people a kick up the backside, and then he did it. His man management skills were great as well. So I don't think there was too much upheaval. Look, it was obviously disappointing when he left. He went to... Uh, his first love, and his first love was Liverpool. That was always going to happen. If Liverpool came knocking, Graham was going to leave at some point. And that happened just before, as you said, the, the four in a row. Um, and then, as I said, all the players were behind Walter. Everybody backed Walter to get it. And it was the right decision that Rangers made. And, and like, when you look back in the years and what Walter's won and, um, for Rangers as, as a head coach, it was 100% the right decision. For Walter to then win the league, obviously Graham left for just a couple of games to go that uh, season. For, Vol- for Walter to then go and get that league title, it just kept the whole momentum going, and that must have been a huge uh, boost to everybody in the squad. That you now you have just you now Graham's gone. That that year has been it's done, it's dusty, but now we can still go and have huge success over, over the next few years under Walter, especially with the team that he was building at that stage. Yeah, look, I think it was a, a 
Absolutely, and, and again, you, you mentioned uh, the, the, obviously what we're taking over and the, the season to get that four in a row over the line. That was a very difficult time, um, you know, with a lot of injuries as well, if I remember correctly. And I uh, remember Aberdeen clawing his back and getting his back to you know touching distance, and it took us to the to the very last game. Um, and again, what what an atmosphere, what a day that was. But again, it just shows you the quality of the man. The man uh, guided us through. Um, to, to obviously get that four in a row and uh, you know it just went from strength to strength after that I just think everybody again as I said before um, Graham was the type of guy that he was dragging the club forward and, uh, and he wanted his players to follow him and that was the exact same with Walter you know again we've we, we done everything that Walter wanted well mostly everything that Walter wanted and we, we listened and you know we took on board uh, everything that he laid down what he wanted as a head coach and, and I think the players he brought in as well uh, were, were fantastic you know, that was a great thing about Walter he, he, that I found out over the years was he had a great talent of, um, obviously, a great talent obviously to pick players, but also the balance within the team was always correct, which I felt, I felt was, was um, a great, uh, a great, uh, not a great attribute, but a great thing that Walter did. He, his balance uh, within the teams was always good. Um, and, you know, he, his man management was always good. And I'll tell you another thing about Walter, you know, Walter comes across as this Mr. Nice guy all the time in front of a lot of people. But I'll tell you, if you, if you feel the wrath of him when you're, he's, he's not happy with you, he'll soon let you know and, and you feel that. <laughs> uh, so he is, a, he's, he is a, a really nice guy, but uh, you don't want to see the bad side of him. And uh, I, I copped that a few times. The, the day that title was won, uh, the 2-0-1 over Aberdeen, uh, or the Mark Heatley scoring? How how big a day was that? Now, Ducky, talk us through the uh, the kind of emotions of that day and the celebrations after it. Yeah, that, that was a massive week. You know, I, I think I've said this before as well. And in uh, training, um, the intensity and the, the ferocity of the the boys was was unbelievable. You know, we for whatever reason, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't know why, and I, I had this feeling, but I, I knew we weren't going to get beat. Um, and the build-up was uh, unbelievable. You know, the atmosphere, as soon as you walked out, as soon as you got your car heading into Ibrox, the fans were, um, you know, as if you'd won the league. Um, they, they looked as if they were in, enjoying it. They looked at the atmosphere. was great. Everybody was happy with a smile on their face. And as I said before, I don't know how I knew this, but I just knew we weren't getting beat that day. And the, the atmosphere going out to do your warm-up was electric. And, again, it was another special moment. Just going out there, it just made you feel great. It made you feel 10 foot tall walking out there and um, knowing that the, this game is in your hands. You're at home, you've got 50,000 bears um, backing you, and uh, it just felt great. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, and then when that final whistle went, you know, the, the celebrations are something that will live, live with me forever. You know, getting around the park and uh, obviously creating, the, you know, clapping the fans and uh, they're all going crazy. We're all going crazy on the park. Um, uh, it was just an absolute fantastic day. I spoke to Big Mark about that game a few years ago doing a piece for even times and I said that that game and that you know, run basically made him as a Rangers player because it gave him so much belief to then go into the following season that that 91-92 campaign I think McCoy's and Haitley got over 60 goals between them obviously uh, far too good for anything else in, in Scotland how, how highly did you rate that as a partnership in, in European terms there wasn't many MA2 pronged uh, attacks that were better than those two in those days Look, I think in, in Scottish football, um, without doubt, you know, they, they would put the best of defenders uh, under any pressure. They would, they would score goals week in and week out on a regular basis. Uh, the partnership, as you said, how, how good was it? It was 
to me, they were like telepathic. They, they knew what each other was doing. One would go for the ball, the other one would run beyond, the other one would link up, we flick overs and, and then link up again and so on. So they had a lot in the lockers, the two of them. Uh, and they worked hard at it. It's not, it wasn't just by fluke. These two guys worked hard in training with each other. So, um, yeah, that was, that was to me, was one of the, the best partnerships that I've seen uh, in my time at Ibrox, without doubt. So going into 92-93, uh, Coyce is again leading the, uh, the goal-scoring charts. That is uh, perhaps the best season that a lot of the like, nine-in-a-row team, they always say that 92-93 that team was, uh, was like the best uh, side in the best season of a lot. Now, what's your memories of, of that one? And does, it, does it rank up there for yourself? Absolutely. Uh, but for me, um, without doubt, uh, the best time in my career at Ibrox was 92-93. I think I got a long run in the team as well um, for two or three years without getting any real injuries. I always seem to pick up a few things, but um, I, I got a, a really good run in that, in that year. And for me, it was one of the most successful, and again, arguably, one of the most successful times in, in Rangers history. You know, we went 11 games undefeated uh, in the, the Champions League. We also went, uh, I think it was 44 games uh, undefeated as well in the league. Uh, we won the treble that year. Um, and again, for me, it was a team that never said die. Uh, no matter who you were playing, if we went one down, we'd score two. And that's what you talk about your hate day and uh, your McCoy's partnership. You know, that was just the feeling within within the place. And again, and I'm not being blasé, but there was games where you went out knowing that you were going to win. Um, and that was just, again, the, the confidence within the squad uh, that we had and the, the players and the belief that we had. You know, no matter who we played, we always felt we were going to, we, we would give, give anybody a game uh, for that team. And for me, it was more a British type team as well, which again, you know what you get from a British type player and a Scottish type player. Um, you know, the, to me, the the balance, and I, I keep going back to it, the balance was correct. And, and oddly enough, you know, the, we, at that time, me and Stuart McCall were, were, were two of the central midfielders, and people said we were too similar and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't um, work with you know, two, two A's in there. But if you look back in that that uh, that season, you know, the, myself and Stuart worked really well, and um, yeah, it was it was a pleasure to play in there and. You know, we, we did ever so well. Uh, as I said, a lot of people were, were, were saying that they don't work, they're very similar, you know, they're sort of a kind. But yeah, I think we surprised a few people that year. We had some amazing games that year, Ian. We had um, two cup finals, um, including winning the, the, the treble against Aberdeen at uh, Celtic Park in front of the old jungle. <laughs> um, I'm sure that'll be a nice memory, certainly a, a great memory for all the support. But what I want to ask you about is you grew Europe was massive for Rangers that year, and starting off, we beat Lindby home and away. Um, Ian Durant inspired. He, he managed to get a couple of the goals, but then it, then it came Leeds, the Battle of Britain. Um, I remember it as a young boy, um, and how massive it was, and, and basically being written off. I remember the, the likes of Clive Tilsley and things like that, saying that, that Rangers would be cannon fodder for Leeds United. Leeds, though, had an outstanding team. They had Strachan, they had McAllister, they had Cantona. Um, the likes of David Batty, Gary Speed, these were top players. Leeds were actually one of the favourites for the tournament that year. Yeah. They meet Rangers, they meet you guys, and you guys are rubbished and, and told not a chance. Yeah. What can you tell me about Leeds home, don't Yeah, look, um, again, uh, the atmosphere, and I, I go back to what I spoke about and the build up. Uh, training that week was, again, absolutely fierce. You know, uh, again, we had players that played as they trained and trained as they played. So you knew Big Hatley was coming in to smash you in the side and you knew 
uh, you know, the, the, the players that like B McCall was coming in and he was putting a slight tackle in to try and get around and get the ball and so on. But the intensity was 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 something else at, at Ibrox. And on, again, there was about 20 players there trying to get trying to get into 10 strips. You know, obviously you've got the goalkeeper and then the 10 outfield players. So there was about 20 players um, fighting and competing, and uh, which I, again just brought the brought the standard up at Ibrox, uh, and it was great. And that, I always remember that going into that. And then the next part is obviously when that's finished and you're named in the team, you're going out to the park and you, I'm getting, actually getting goosebumps as we're sitting talking about it. You, you yeah, as am I. What memories are <laughs> you, incredible. You walk out into Ibrox and the, the arena, the music's blasting, the crowd are going crazy, and then all of a sudden the game kicks off, and within about I think about a minute or so. Um, that whole place just the silence was eerie, and you could hear a pin drop because McAllister just put one in the top corner. But the next thing I remember was within about five seconds of that happening was the the support. The support just got up and rallied the players, and and you just heard this so this almighty roar going round the ground. And it was like it just gave you a bit of belief. It gave you a belief that the fans are still with. And even that earlier on, you know, the, the fans are with us and they're always with us. But that just for me spurred us on. And I think getting into that um, one 0 obviously down. And before you know it, we, we were we we're having a couple of attacks. And then before you know it, we've got a corner kick. And I think it's Lukic that punches the ball in his own net. And again, it's one each at that at that point. And again, it gave you that momentum, gave you that belief um, that well, yeah. They're invincible, you know. We've, we've scored a goal against them. Uh, let's keep going. Let's get in their face. Don't let them play. Don't let them get into their usual strides. And and we did that. But we also created some some good opportunities ourselves, which was great. Um, and then I think it's Coyster then that get, gets the the second goal. If I call him a kick, and big Dave McPherson goes up and gets I think he gets smashed in the face, and and it comes down, and Coyster just gets a rebound into the net. And again, the roar that night, and again the fans. Uh, was unbelievable. But what we'll say about that, that game, and it's something that always sticks with me, was from start to finish, the amount of energy that was put in that night was was unbelievable. Normally you get a spell in a game where you, you, you can get a little breather, but it didn't feel that way. It just felt it was constant the whole night. Everything was, everybody was switched on. You had to, again, get into your roles and do what you had to do. But the, the just just the, the pace that the game was played at was unbelievable. It really was. It was a frantic <laughs> pace where you had to be on your toes every minute of the game and every player did and what a result we got. Uh, and at the end of the game, obviously, you know, it was, um, I don't know if, if, if uh, it was me, but I just felt, hey, we have, we're two one up and we're, we're going down to Ellen Roads. Uh, you know what? We can beat them down there. And as you say, as you, as you know, we did. We went down there and got a, a fantastic result. Uh, again, Andy Gorham that night was for me was an outstanding. One of the best performances I've ever seen from a goalkeeper. It was a masterclass, absolute masterclass. For me, he was the one that, that, that even though we we scored two goals down there and we still had a couple of chances, they probably had about 10, 12 chances where they could have easily have been goals, and, and Gorham was outstanding that night. So his blocks with Cantona. Oh, absolutely! It's um, incredible for me was and again, so. What, what I remember about that as well was obviously the result um, and again the game for itself but also something that sticks in my mind was the final whistle as um, when we were working around the park well coming off the park the Leeds supporters actually stood up and applauded us all off the park which I thought was a, a great gesture from the, the Leeds fans but I always remember this as well my big mate big Andy Smiley um, I'll never forget it when we scored the goal um, I looked behind the goal and it was again it was a, a eerie silence but I just seen this box gone crazy 
<laughs> the big man had a box and he was going crazy uh, behind the goal and even though there wasn't meant to be Rangers fans there but the big man got in and um, yeah I always remember that that was a nice moment seeing a big fella and, and the, the people that were in his box uh, going crazy and also I think there must have been about 20 stewards trying to get in the box <laughs> to get them and get them out but again the Leeds fans were great they they basically um, there was no hassle at all after that the big man we got the goals and we won the game and he was just celebrating uh, and it's a memory that sticks with me as well yeah, you're definitely going to need more than 20 or 30 security guards to move to Gandhi's that's for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so Leeds, Champions England, Champions Denmark, Lindby, they're, they're pushed aside. And next up is uh, the Champions League. First time ever, um, Rangers are, are, when you look at the Champions League ball, Rangers are one of the, the stars in it because we are the original kind of um, first entries and, and we were heavily involved in, in making it as well. But we... We draw CSK Moscow, we draw Bruges, and we draw Marseille. Um, you score um, out in Bochum when we played CSK Moscow, and we win 1-0. Um, but the Champions League that year, it was some year, you remember the big, the big scrambles against uh, Bruges, where Bomber, Gorham, everybody on the line. Um, and the, the spirit of that team was incredible. What's your memories of, of, of that Champions League run? Um, in particular, also to, to talk a wee bit about Marseille because it later transpires, it didn't at the time, but it later transpires that, that Marseille are involved in, in bribery and tapping match officials. And anyone that doesn't know anything about this and, and goes and has a look at, at Marseille when they played in Bruges the night that Rangers were playing CSK Moscow, in Marseille, the goal they scored was scandalous. It's passing about, and the defender basically lays it on. I'm pretty sure it's either. Voller or Boxic goes in and, and scores, and that would be the goal that would take them through. Um, and it was it was farcical at the time. But before we concentrate on Marseille and, and, and we ask a wee bit about Marseille, what's what's the overriding um, kind of memories of, of playing Bruges and CSK and even going out to the Velodrome that night? Yeah, look, they were massive games for us. Um, and again, there was a belief within the squad that no matter who we played, we we could win. And uh, again, that was twenty players that were in that squad that had that belief. So if somebody was out or somebody got injured, the next player that came in again had that belief and believed what we were doing. For me, they were absolute massive, massive games. Um, and again, I, I go back to it, 92, 93 is probably one of the best seasons, again, in, in my history, at, uh, my career, sorry, at, at Rangers. So you talk about these games, you know, the Marseille game uh, for me was was absolutely massive. Uh, the two of them were massive, to be fair. You know, we're 2-0 we're down and... Um, I think I had a, a knock that night and I was, I was sitting in the stand watching it and we went to nil down and you're thinking, oh, you know, okay, well, you know, we're going to lose the, the, the points, but you know what, the, the, we've got more games to play and, and, and all still to play for. Um, but again, lo and behold, that Rangers spirit came back and you know what, we, we bring it back to 2-1. And then again, you know, we, yeah, we swig in the, with a the header, um, puts it in and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they started to panic a little bit. And you could see that, you could get that feeling and I think the crowd got that feeling as well and you just felt the support rise. Um, and even on the park, you seen the players rising to, towards it. Then we, I think it was V Durante, makes a run down the, the left-hand side and gets across a, and Big Hatley's there to put it away. And again, we're all going crazy. You know, we went from 2-0 down to 2-2. And if I, I really believe us, if that game went for another four or five minutes, 
we yeah, were we on him win that. Yeah, we, yeah, we were on him win that. So they they're, they're very special games, and again the crowd's got a big part to play in it. They make the night special, um, you know, with their support, and that lifted the players. It got us through, and the players responded to it, and it got us the two goals we needed. But that was a type again. I, I go back to it. Uh, you know the the desire, the determination, the hunger within these players um, to succeed, um, and that whole run just you know just typifies what that squad was all about. So yeah, okay, they were they were absolute massive games for us and massive games for the clubs and the fans. Proud moment for you as well, scoring um, in the Champions League um, in such a big game. It turned out to be the winner that day. Um, memories of that goal? Yeah, look, I remember that. I remember, I think it came across, I think it was David Robson, I'm not too sure, and I've seen Big Hately, Big Mark would always go up there and challenge for things and try and put people off, and you don't know where the ball's going to land. So I just tried to get as close as I can, and, and just looking for scraps that, you know, if Hank was there, to get round the box and, and try and pick up. And it did, it just so happened that the big man's in there scrapping, and he didn't win the ball, I think it was their defender that won the ball, but he nudged him, so he wasn't getting a lot of power on uh, on his header. And then all of a sudden it just landed to me and I've, as I struck it as hard as I could, took a wicked deflection and uh, went in the net. Uh, yeah, and it was, uh, again, a crucial a crucial win uh, to get us the points uh, on the board. So, yeah, that was a that was a big night for us. We certainly had luck with um, a few deflections that season. Obviously, your goal and uh, you might remember Nizzi's goal oh. against Bruges as well, which was incredible. Um See when something like that happens on a pitch and, and like like some Izzy scores that goal, I mean that's a one in a million. Chance. Yeah, absolutely. What what are you guys that you guys thinking? Well, Lady Luck is on their side. Well, exactly, but, and, and and to be honest with you, yeah, that's what goes through. It's like what what just happened? You know, the ball spins, hits hits. Uh, I don't know what it hit because I, I can remember that the ground it was raining that night. And it was soggy, so I don't know what it hit. It just spun and hit something, and then came up and over the goalkeeper's head. Goalkeeper's off balance. It. Yeah, and as he meant a lot of things. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look again, it's, it's what you said. Lady Luck's on my side. Somebody's somebody's looking down on us. Uh, I got a deflected goal. Big Nizzy's got a bit of a flicky goal. Um, but in saying that, you know that's sometimes the luck you need. Yeah, you make your own luck. Absolutely. But we have to we have to mention it. Um, unfortunately, it transpires that that Marcy have, have cheated. And later comes out as well that um, we, we never really found out how truthful this was and, and it was rooted at the time and on the papers and things that Rangers have been offered the chance to play in Milan in a one-off game for that title, which I don't know if it was headlines at the time or whatever, but what's your feelings on Marseille and, and would you have fancied a, a crack at AC Milan at that point? Because they had, they were, I think if memory, they would have had the likes of the ball bands for uh, past top and, side, yeah. and Mal, Maldini, but we were told to with anybody at that point. What, yeah. what was your thoughts on Marseille? We, and would you, would you have taken a crack at AC Milan? Absolutely. Uh, we would have taken a crack at anybody at that time. Um, you know, For me, we would have challenged anybody um, in the world. Um, but unfortunately, you know, you, you were saying there that you've heard this and heard that. I don't think that's true. I think if, if Rangers got that opportunity, Rangers would have took that um, in a heartbeat and would have given, us the, uh, given the players and the fans that opportunity. Uh, to do that, so I don't. I, I've never heard of that Maybe before. Just yeah, I've never, I've never heard of that before, and, and I'm sure if David Murray got that opportunity, he would have been the first one to to make it happen. Um, going back to Marseille, um, for me, Marseille cheated. Simple as that. They've been found out. Bernard Tapie goes to jail. I think they get they get taken out of the divisions and and put down to the lower divisions. Um, for me, bribing 
other players and, and officials, uh, and, and, officials and, and so on. Yeah, that, that again, that was supposedly the story. But for, for me, there was when, when you start looking at it, you start looking at that and you start analysing other games. I go back and I look at the, the game against Bruges with Big Mark. And um, for me, that looks a setup to me where the referee couldn't get his card out quick enough. Big Mark was, was getting pulled and dragged and the big fella pushes the guy away. And next minute, there's a, there's a red card shown. Um, for me, that was um, when I look back. You know, is there something sinister there? Is there something else going on? Mark Hately talks about that as well, quite openly. He says that that's something that kind of everybody thought they were at it because he, he didn't do anything. No. It was just a, a, a slight kind of they're up for a challenge and he pushes them away and, and that's it. You yeah. know, it happens a hundred times in a game. Absolutely, and the referee couldn't get his his um, card out quick enough to to send the big man off. But look, we still had it in our own hands. To be fair, you know, we went to the we went to Marseille uh, in the last game. And we had to win. Um, they go one nil. They go one nil up, and you know what? We're again. We've got that fighting spirit about us. We're backs against the wall, and we're we're, we're digging in deep, and we're we're playing some not too bad football. Then all of a sudden, Midorani pops up and and gets us that equaliser. You know that that for me, um, I felt at that point that for me we were going to go and win that because again I felt we had them rattled a little bit. They they weren't expecting that. Um, and and again, you know, we get back to things in, in hindsight and say, well, if Big Mark Hitler was fit that night, I really believe that or no fit, sorry, if he wasn't sent off um, and, and suspended, um, we would have won that game. I, I feel we would have went on and won that game and we could have been playing in a Champions League final. If I didn't hear you, you would be standing up in the back of my neck, mate. Honestly, the, the memories of that one, he, he joined his goal and the fighting spirit of that, that team. Guys like Trevor Stephen. Um, guys like David Robertson, yeah. um, Bombers, even Big Slim, we had Big Slim on in, in, in January when gave him at first, and he was talking about his drug test after it and keeping everybody back and getting yeah. pelters for it and all sorts. And it's just memories like this are, are unbelievable, but that was still an amazing season, um, an incredible season, probably the best I've ever had as a supporter, as a young boy, the highs were, were incredible. Moving slightly on, um, we go on the following season, six in a row, and it's, it's, it's an incredible season in terms of injuries are just just so high. Everybody's injured, Gorham. There was a point where I think we had 12, 13 sitting on the bench. That yeah. means some of the youngsters come in. You had a really bad viral infection that year as well, I remember. And you were out for quite a while. And Six in a row, people look at it back and, and think of it as being not as successful. Because obviously nothing was maybe going to hit the heights at 92, 93. But we still won the, the double. We still got to the final of Scottish, which we unfortunately lost to Dundee United. Yeah. What are your memories of that year? And um, was it a case of the sheer effort and the volume of of the season before just meant that we'd slightly run out of legs and it kind of carried on? Yeah, I think I think you're, you're spot on there. I think it took its toll on a lot of people in regards to the injuries and um, obviously the the work as well, the, the loads that were getting put on everybody. You know, playing Europe, playing uh, cup games, playing league games. Uh, playing internationals, I think that took its toll on a lot of people. Uh, but look, as you said, it was still a very successful year. We won the league, and we won the league cup. I think it was that that year. Yep. And we've obviously gone for the the, the treble. You know, we we lost the game, uh, obviously the last game of the, the season at Hamden. You know, a lot of people um, go on and, and and talk about Big Davy and and Maxi making a, a mistake. I don't blame Maxi or Davy on that. There was eleven years on the park that day. Um, you know, we're, we're a group, we're a team. And, um, you know, to blame certain individuals I thought was wrong. Um, you know, we still had a lot of time to try and fix that, and we didn't. 
And um, yeah, so for me, it was uh, it was still a very successful season. We we were going for back to back trebles. Uh, unfortunately, we never got it, and that was the kicker for me that um, was more hurting or, or annoyed at was the fact that we we couldn't go on and do the back to back trebles. Um, but again, as I said, it was to me it was still a successful season. You know, I'd, we've won two at the three. Um, and even though, even though I, I remember it, it was like that night, as if we'd not won nothing. You know, we were so deflated and and uh, disappointed. Um, you know that we never got the treble. But as, as somebody said, they say we've won the league and we've also won the, the the league cup. So you know, a lot to be proud of. The league cup that year as well. That was uh, Ali McCoy's return. Um, if you don't, if people don't remember. That's the. People will remember that's McCoy's overhead kick. Mm-hmm. Um, the throw and, and he talks about that. And, it, and maybe at that point we needed a wee bit of a, a pick up. We were going for, for seven and, and we needed something. I don't know if you'll remember this guy, Walter brought in, um, a Danish boy called Brian Woodrow. Uh, I'm not too sure. I'll, Was he any good? I'll, I'll let you have a think about it. Uh, well, uh, Lowdrop. Is he any good? Look, Lowdrop <laughs> was up there um, for me, one of. Again, one of Walter's most successful signings, uh, one of Rangers' most successful players uh, over that period that he played uh, for the club. You know, he was he had everything in his locker. He could score goals, he could assist in goals, he was good at crossing. Uh, he, again, he was good at dribbling. He had a lot of great qualities, um, and and the fans um, obviously took to him, and they could see he was he was giving the, the team, and uh, yeah, he was he was for me. Up there with one of the best signings in that nine row era. What was he like in training? Could you get near him? Couldn't get near him. I actually call him a, a, the hernia maker. Um, you know, I, I remember him coming up towards me one day with the ball and, and he's taking me on and I went one way, he's went the other way. Um, and as I went one way, he came inside me. I just felt my stomach rip and I had to, <laughs> I had to go and get the operation. So Brian, I, I officially called the hernia maker because of that, because as I said, he sold me a dummy one way, went the other way, and I just, my whole, the way I went, my body, it wasn't right, and it ripped my stomach, and, and then I had to go down to Harley Street and get a, an operation. Could Lowdrop mix it in training? Because you talked about before about Hately and McCall's, you know, and it was ferocious. It, it was like match days. I, I can't imagine the likes of Bomber and, and people like that allowing Brian to, to twinkle toes around him. And, yeah. and I can't imagine you doing it. So yeah. he's got to have been, Lowdrop maybe had a side that we didn't really see. Could he mix it? Would he, would he put himself about? Or? No, he wouldn't, he wouldn't mix it. He wouldn't, he, he, guys like that, uh, McCall, um, John Brown, as you said, you know, mm. you, you're these t- Hullocks, um, you're these players that would um, would begin in mixing it, your Hatleys and that. Uh, Brian would basically sit wide out on the right-hand side or left-hand side, float about. You just couldn't get near him. Uh, and when he had the ball, I don't think anybody wanted to get near him because he would just make a fool of you at times. Um, but as in for mixing things, look, I wouldn't say he's a, he's a shrinking violet, but it wasn't a... a one of the, the, the toughest players to play mm. um, when it came to the physicality side of it. He didn't need to because um, he, was, he was a genius. The guy was a genius with the ball. One of the best I've seen without doubt. He, was, he could do things that nobody else has. But also that summer we brought in Basil Bolly. And Basil was a, a European Cup winner. He had, he had been part of that Marseille team, um, an outstanding centre half, but it didn't quite go as well for him. What was your memories of? Of Basel and what kind of player was he? Basel was a very good player in his own right. You know, when he when he came from Marseille, he was he was a Champions League winner, um, and and came to us after that, I think it was, and then 
I, what, what I think about Basel was he, he, he didn't like the how fast the game was. And, and there's a lot of players that have came to Ibrox or, or the Scottish game and, and can't handle that. They don't like the, the, the physicality. They don't like people being in their faces. You know, the, the European game's more about the back boys would be allowed to get the ball and go out and play and stroke it about and without being put in under any real pressure. In our training, we put everybody under pressure straight away. That that was the intensity that was 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 at Ibrox, and not only just us. Other teams would come to Ibrox and do the same and put people under pressure. And I don't think the, the Scottish game suited Big Basil, um, as what we all hoped or what we were all looking for. But look, it, it, it again, he it, it played some important games. He he did a good job for Rangers. It just wasn't. I don't think it was his 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 football. And then what he was, I think he was expecting it to be a lot slower. Um, he was going to be dictating. He was going to be physical. But uh, as I said before, you shouldn't get a rude awakening when you when you come into Scottish football because it's it's not as easy as people think. Seven rows sealed, um, but there's a, a resurgence over the other side of, of, of Glasgow. Tommy Burns is, is starting to build a good Celtic side, and they did have a good a good Celtic side at that point. Rangers simply upped it and. Um, Paul Gascoigne arrives. Um, how good was Gascoigne in training? And we now have Gascoigne, we now have Lousrop. And during that eight in a row season, um, we just simply, we, we upped, the, upped the, the tempo. And how good was it to be part of that side that had Gascoigne, Lousrop and, and going? And, and now, you know, you're a step away from the nine, but eight was eight was massive. Gascoigne's hat trick and things like that. Absolutely. What was that? Like yeah, look that again. It was a special time. Um, bringing guys in like Gascoigne, you know, Gaza was known around the world. You know, he, he was a superstar, and for Rangers to get him and for Walter to, to get him on board and come to Ibrox was was unbelievable. Somebody had said to me a week before, you know, you're going to get Paul Gascoigne. I, you wouldn't believe it. Um, but then again, that happened with Mo Johnson. So that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look. Um, Gascoigne was a genius. Again, he was up there. And, and again, that's what I spoke about with Walter in, in, in my time and what I loved about Walter was getting that balance right. Gaza couldn't do what Stuart McCall could do and Stuart McCall couldn't do what Gaza could do. Loudup couldn't do the same and, and so on. We couldn't do, uh, they couldn't do what Richard Goff was doing. So the quality within the, the playing squad and the balance was was brilliant. Everybody had different attributes. Uh, Gascoigne is like a Loudup. He's a, he's a match winner. He could see things. He could score goals. He could assist in goals. Um, he could do basically a lot more things than than Joe Bloggs could do. Let's put it that way. And he, for me, was another match winner, and and so was Louder. But again, you look at Hately, you look at McCoy. The balance within the, the 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 team was was excellent. You know, golfy drivingness for the back. Go, you'd go them. You look at the spine, and I'm I'm a big fan of this. Where where I hear coaches talk about the spine of the team, your spine of your teams. It's got to be solid. I mean, you look at that, you'd Gorham, you'd Goff, um, you'd McCall, you'd Gascoigne, you'd Durant, you'd Hatley, and the list goes on. You had numerous players that could all fill these areas. Um, and that, for me, was, was again, such a crucial part. Um, winning these titles was getting the right players and getting the right balance, and, and Gascoigne fitted in like a glove. He was brilliant. The end of the eight in a row, a very special cup final. We give hearts but for doing then. Loudrop were just sensational that day. And everybody talks about it for Brian, but we forget that Gordon Judy got a hat-trick that yep. day. He's probably the only guy that gets a hat-trick in the cup final and he never really gets spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, memories of, of that one and then heading into to nine, we, we recruit, we get the likes of Alberts and Yorkland and things in and, and we're ready to go for nine. What was the final like leading and then going into to nine in a row? What was the pressure like 
because did you have much time to celebrate eight? Because then it was immediately all about we need to get nine. Yeah, look, I think when you when as you said we celebrate at the end. You know, this this didn't go on for weeks or and so on. It, it's on that night where we. You know, you, you go in and you celebrate with the players and so on, and then it sort of calms down a little bit. And then you've got to get back into your training. Um, so it's no over, it's no overboard partying and get out there and getting drunk every day. It was more or less we, we we enjoyed ourselves, you know, for two or three days, and then it was a case of let's get stuck back into it again. Um, you know, you you mentioned there got to the nine and the pressures. The pressures for me were um, all coming from um, media. Uh, I felt uh, that it was. You know, whether it's a wee witch hunt out there or not, they were putting more pressure on players and um, everybody was buying into it and reading it. And again, that felt, again, for me, there was a lot of stuff coming from us rather than us just concentrating on, you know, uh, one game at a time. And I'm, I'm a big fan of this one game at a time. I don't look at, and I know the gaffer did, the gaffer looked at maybe a wee patch where this month I've got four games, these are the four games I want to concentrate on. I'm just one at a time. There's no use worrying about third or fourth game down the line where you, you know you, you still get one and two still to play so for me it was uh, it was concentrating on that um, the pressures for me were uh, as I said I, I then stopped looking at the team I stopped listening to the news I stopped looking at uh, the, the newspapers because again you, you've got to try and focus on what you what you can do rather than what they're saying um, and a lot of players again handled things differently you know um, and, and how they did after and again I thought they were Tremendous in how a lot of things were handled at Ibrox at that time because there was a hell of a lot of pressure on us. Um, expectations were absolutely sky high. Uh, media was going off its head. Uh, fans were going off their heads. Uh, you know, everywhere you went, uh, everybody wanted this nine in a row. And, and that for me was, um, it was a good pressure um, rather than a bad pressure. The bad pressure sitting at the bottom of the league where you're trying to fight relegation. We were actually sitting at the top of the league trying to, fight, trying to get in our title. So that for me was, was a good pressure. Um, but yeah, uh, players handled it well. And uh, you mentioned new new players coming in as well, Alberts and Bear Auckland and all them. And you know, there's sometimes players you worry about players coming in. As I spoke about earlier, about the the form player, the Basil Boy coming in and, and no adapting to um, the Scottish type game. But when you've seen Alberts and you've seen Bjorkland, it was suited them to a tee. You know, Big George fitted in quicker than snow, and um, Bjorkland was was brilliant as well. You know, he came in and, and settled right in. Um, his case was incredible. He was so quick. The recovery was so good. Uh, I always remember one, and I think it was George Cadet. It was. That was the uh, one we're about to talk to in that yeah. very famous 1 0 victory at Celtic Park on the way to nine. But your memories of Bjorkland, yeah, look, he's come in from nowhere, um, and, and you're just waiting Cadet to stop the ball into the net, and, and Bjorkland came in from nowhere. And uh, well, what a tackle it was. And again, inspiring for me. I, I sit and I look at that, and I think, wow, you know, he's not got any right to get that. And he's got there and he's saved as a goal. So, again, that, that was that belief in, in foreign players buying into what Rangers were wanting. So, that nine the whole season, we play Celtic four times, and, and, and each time they're massive games. We've got pivotal moments in each. Um, like Sir Gascoigne said, you've got Gorham's penalty save, um, and then even, you, you know, Eko Anderson, a yeah. new year with a yeah. double out of nowhere. Um, and then it comes to the game in, in March. We go to Celtic Park and, and a victory is more or less. We, we put it out of sight and, and neither rows there. There was a small altercation that day with a, a certain Italian that plays for, for, for them that called Pablo Di Canio. Everybody talks about Ian. You're probably sick of asking, but we have to ask. I have to ask you about that day and I have to ask you about Pablo Di Canio. Yeah, look, if you, if, if you look back at the, 
the week before actually uh, Celtic we played them two weeks in a row and, and Celtic beat us two 0 uh, in the cup and that was so disappointing and again we we gave the Canio too much room too much time uh, when when the Canio plays Celtic played and he was a threat he was he was always one of these players that makes made them tick um, pardon the punt but he was one of these players <laughs> that made them uh, you know believe in themselves so. The gaffer was brilliant, you know, we, we, we sat down and we, we had a chat with all the players and, and, and he'd done it with individual players, took them aside and started talking away to them. Um, he then came up with, if the canio comes inside, he's, he's got you to go by and if he goes by you, then he's got this one to go by and if he goes by that one, he's got this one to go by. So basically, it was, it was, we was making scenarios up where, you know, when he goes by here, we need the next player to, to follow in and follow in, so on, so on. Uh, and it, which I thought was brilliant. Um, but also, the other side of the canoe was, look, love him, hate him. He's a player. He could play. He was um, a top, top player. Love him, hate him. So what, what I seen with him in, in past games was, if you can get in his head and you can start noising him up, then he sort of loses the plot a little bit. And um, Just a little bit. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's what happened. He, he got involved in something that he shouldn't have got involved in. It was Mark Haley and I think Anoni at that time, and and then all of a sudden he ran in and got involved. So um, I'm going to run in. I'm going to make sure that I, I get him and let him give him some choice words. So that's so that happened. And um, the next minute, you know, it was like it was real. It was like reeling in the fish. You know, you've got him uh, on the cheek and you're reeling him in, and he's telling me he's going to break my leg and he's going to do this. And I said, Yep, no problem. We'll, you know, we'll meet up after the game and, yeah, we'll, we'll have a cup of tea, Paolo, and we'll, we'll have a wee chat. But needless to say, final whistle goes, we're one and one now, final whistle goes, and who's right beside me? Mr De Canio. So again, he makes a big scene in front of everybody rather than doing what he said he was going to do, take me up the tunnel and, and do what he was going to do, but that never materialised. So I wasn't getting involved in that. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't going to um, get involved in, when there's fans there. They could have started a riot easily. And if again, if... if Something happens, I, I retaliate. Players are all going to get involved, and so you know it's going to snowball. So I wasn't, I wasn't getting involved in any of that. So at the end of the day, um, what I was looking at was when I was walking off the park, and um, I'm just thinking to myself, do you know what? We've got the points in the bag. It's not the official game that's going to take us to nine in a row, but I'll tell you what, it went a hell of a long way to get yeah, us that nine in a row. And that for me was <clears> was uh, uh, icing on the cake for me that day after getting beat a week before, 2-0, and then coming in, and we had a lot of injuries that day, Gorham was out, yeah. McCoyce was out, and so on, yeah. we brought in Andy uh, Devil, yeah. uh, we brought back Big Mark Hately, mm-hmm. um, and again, um, you know, good signings, that, that done great on that day, and done a great job for us, um, but to 1-1-0, and, and get that victory, was, was uh, as I said before, it wasn't the official, to get us a nine in a row, but it went a hell of a long way, and that's what I was looking at, and with a big smile on my face, getting off the park. Eight in a row, nine in a row were, were great seasons, um, both double winning years. Um, people maybe forget a wee bit about that. Ten in a row comes and we, we fall short. Um, a, lot of, a lot of injuries, we can get ourselves back in it. It doesn't really materialise. And what, what was it that went wrong that year? Because a number of things happened, like Walter announced in Brian leaving, Gascoigne being sold, um, there was injury issues with goal and fitness issues and things. Was it just a case of maybe just one too far and it just wasn't? No, I, I think you've mentioned um, four of them, actually, to be honest with you. That's what I would have said. All I, the factors, yeah. I think, um, I think if, again, if you look back in hindsight, I would have definitely uh, would have kept Walter's uh, announcement to the end of the season. Um, would have sold Gascoigne? Not. I would have kept Gascoigne to the end of the season as well. And again, I don't know the, the situation. I don't know what the 
what the money was, whether it was money or whether he wanted to leave. or Again, I don't know what the problems were, but I would definitely have kept him. Brian, uh, I felt he was somewhere else at that point. You know, he was going to Chelsea and it was a big... Because he should have went to Ajax the last summer. Yeah. And we were almost, he was away and, and David Murray persuaded him to stay, but he was never... He was good, but he was... Like you say, maybe... Look, I, again, these are just my personal opinions. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm no talking for anybody else here. These are just, I thought, what, what, a, what a, a snowball effect and, and, and how that season went. And as you mentioned as well, there, you know, um, the, the, the injuries you know, to key players at, at key times as well when we needed big results. Um, I think that sort of took its toll as well. Because so Goffey left and we brought yeah, him back. That's right. we, yeah, Goffey left and he came back again. But these are the things that I, I do think uh, were, a, were a factor in, in, in obviously that 10. Um, but yeah, it was it was disappointing. But what I will say as well, and I've said this before when I do speak to people, is we didn't get the 10, but you know what, we got the 9. And I think we've got to be reasonably happy with that out of nine years, uh, t- sorry, 10 years getting nine titles. If somebody said to me when, when I first went to Rangers, you're going to win nine championships uh, over 10 years, you'd be absolutely delighted with that. Um, and, and to get that, I think eight was the biggest pressure um, for me. To, to get the eight and then it was in our hands to go and get the nine. Uh, and, and again, as I say, I know we're talking about why we didn't get the 10, um, but let's be grateful that we got, we got oh, nine. Oh, absolutely. It was nine fantastic years, that's for sure. For, for that 98-99 season, Ian, uh, obviously so much uh, change. Obviously, uh, with Walter leaving, uh, Dick Arvacat coming in, huge turnaround in players, but you're one of the kind of older guard, if you like, that, uh, that are still at the club for that, for that campaign. You go on, you win the treble. You can t- t- just can you talk us through that season and what it was like for you to work under a different manager, work under so many new uh, players, a lot of the foreign boys coming in. Can you compare treble winning teams between that season and your either uh, uh, ninety two ninety three campaign? Yeah, look, um, oh, look, comparisons between ninety two ninety three and, and and obviously when uh, Mister Advocat came in, um, you know, again, it's it's different eras. It's it's very difficult. But what I would say is when uh, Mister Advocat came in and um, brought his, his his own players in that he wanted, and and they gelled, they, they settled in really really quickly. And again, being one of the Scottish guys there, and uh, you know. Talked to the likes of Newman, Van Bronckhurst, and, and guys like that, and, and even Big Amoruso was obviously buying into it. Uh, uh, Alberts was buying into it. You know, it was great that we still had players from the past that were, um, you know, coming into this new era where we could hopefully, hopefully try and guide and, and give a lot of advice to people in regards to what this club represents and, and the standards and, and, you know, the winning mentality. Um, and, and they bought into it pretty quickly because it, I think the results showed and, and I think the three cups showed uh, at the end of the season, uh, you know, that the, the players that were all brought in, the, the foreign players, um, bought into the, the Rangers lifestyle. I spoke to a couple of years ago to do a feature of Thieving Times. It was a, a game of our lives and basically asked former players to, to pick their, their three favourite games. Uh, the three you picked, the 3-2 victory over Aberdeen at Hamden, the one nil uh, old firm game we're just talking about, and the last one you picked out was your it was your testimonial. How much did that game mean to you? After everything you'd achieved at Rangers, to then leave, uh, obviously uh, move away from the club, but not, not have that testimonial that that season must have meant uh, so much to you. And again, the, the reputation you still have amongst Rangers fans must mean a lot to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, the, the testimonial was one of the biggest honours I'll ever get in the game. Um, for me, it was an honour. 
privileged and I was very proud to get it. You know, when you look at past players that have um, been awarded these uh, these uh, testimonials or the testimonials, sorry, uh, for me it was it was something special. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't mind telling it. I had a tear in my eye at the end of it. It was a very emotional night. Uh, and I loved that, you know, the the ovation that I got from the fans and the fans that turned up was was fantastic, um, you know, and that's something that will live with me for the rest of my life, um, you know. And, and some people may find it strange that I picked a testimonial, but to me, it, it sort of it's it was the end of the journey, if that makes sense, uh, in regards to my, my my Rangers career because it was near the end, and um, to get that was was something special for me. If we bring it a bit more up to date, what have you made of the progress that the uh, team and the club have made under uh, Stephen Gerrard and how do you see things really unfolding? Of course, an uncertain time in terms of how the uh, Scottish football scene is going to end, but there's, there's certainly been positives there in, in terms of European campaign and the manager has come in and made you know, such a big impact both on and off the park. Look, I think um, I, I think at the moment um, Stephen's brought belief back to us. Um, you know, when you... When you consider where we were under Cassinia and you, and and Warburton, you know we Stevens brought a better quality of player in, um, and he, he, to me even up until Christmas there, he, he's got us all excited. You know he's he was was sitting top of the league, we've just beat Celtic, um, and then for whatever reason, I don't know what's happened, uh, but for whatever reason when we come back from a break, it seems to have went a, a little bit pear shape at the moment. But we've got to get these these the players that we um, are there, they've got, they've got to understand that. The Rangers jersey is a very heavy jersey to wear because of the demands um, and, and expectations uh, from the crowd and so on. You've got to be winning, and, and that's what players have got to understand. When they come into this club, you've got to be winning. You've got to make sure you know two, you're two games away from a crisis, and I'm sure they know that now. Uh, where all the flag it's probably coming a lot of people's way at the moment. So I think where where the teams are at the moment, if we need people that when they come through that door, they're going to wear that jersey, they're going to carry that jersey, and they're going to grow knowing that they've got to win. Um, no going to a team that, no disrespect to any of the other teams in the, the Premier League, but, um, you know, you, you, some of them are happy to win two games and get beat three games and, and draw another two games. We, we can't do that at Rangers. And that's, that's the only thing I would say at the moment that we'll, we'll not get that balance. And I keep using that word balance. We'll not get that balance in the team at the moment. Um, when we've got these players that, um, you know, we'll go out there and run through that brick wall for you um, and, and die for that jersey. We need players that are going to be doing that and, and again, taking Rangers forward. And I mentioned it when, when Graham um, took over. You know, Graham wants his players to follow him. And I'm sure Stephen's the same. So he needs to get those players and, and find the bargains and, and get us back to winning ways. You know, we, we need to be winning cups at, at Ibrox. We need to be winning um, leagues at Ibrox. Um, you know, because, again, we've not had anything now for the last two years. And, um, as I said, he gave us all a little bit of hope. Um but we've, we've sort of fell at the last hurdle and we need to pick ourselves and dust ourselves down and, and go again. Um, but we, getting a better quality of play in is, is exactly what we need at this moment in time. And I know that costs money and I know we've not got a lot of money. So we need to be creative and find the players uh, in the lower leagues or the lower divisions um, that you get the right type in. Ian, before we finish, um, a couple of wee quick fire questions we like to do um, for everyone. Ian, your favourite Rangers goal? Oh God! Um, my favourite's got to be the Aberdeen one, uh, the scissor kick. Um, for for me, that was uh, something special in a cup final at Hamden, full house, and winning the cup. Favourite Rangers moment. Favourite Rangers moment. Hall of Fame. 
um, getting inducted uh, to the Hall of Fame was, was one of my favourite moments um, at Ibrox. Favourite player in the dressing room? Oh, there's so many. I couldn't, you know what, I couldn't possibly pick one. You know, I'd, I'd get, there were so many characters in there. And I'll go through some of them. Durant, uh, McCoy, uh, John Brown. I remember John Brown for seven years and um, he was about your fruit loop. Um, but a great guy. Uh, to <laughs> we had him on the live show. His <laughs> stories are crazy. Uh, mate, I remember him for seven years, and I couldn't, I couldn't get the remote control off him. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't give me it. And um, yeah, he was, he was a, definitely a character. But I had so many, so many great guys in there. That was just unbelievable. Morris Johnson. Yeah, look, Morris. Uh, look, a lot of people obviously when he when he first um, signed for us um, weren't too happy. But I'll tell you, he, he scored really important goals at crucial times. And he won the league that year. You know, a lot of his one 0 wins were, or his goals were one 0 wins and uh, massive, massive games for us. And look, came as well and worked hard. Um, didn't think he was anything better than anybody else. He came, he was, he was honest, and uh, you know, yeah, he got on with a lot of the players. Last one, funniest moment you remember from your time at Ibrooks? For me or something else? Anything you want? Anything. Ah, uh, look, there's a couple of you don't mind me asking. Look, for me was one of my first days in Ibrox when I had just signed for Rangers and um, the first team boys were off and McCoy and Durant were lurking about in the dressing room and um, I didn't think anything of it, went in and to the, the treatment room and, and get some strappings on my ankles and I came back in, got myself ready, started getting over to the, the Albion at that time and I felt burning in my pants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They had put deep heat in my pants, yeah. yeah. And um, I went back, I was running back across to um, go and change. And Graham Soonis, I think, to this day, I don't know, but I think to this day he was in it as well because he told me to go over the Albion. So I'm running about the Albion trying to get, yeah, this time with big tubs of Gatorade. And I'm getting the, I'm picking the ice out. <laughs> I'm picking the ice out and putting it down below um, where I was absolutely burning. Uh, so yeah, that was one of the one of the funny moments. Um, and the other one, look, Gascoigne was uh, a character in himself and, and and what he did as well. You know, he Gordon Jewell. I'm, I'm sure it's 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 well documented out there. Uh, bought a brand new car, and Gascoigne put two fish in the car. Um, and Coyley thinks he's it's a masterstroke. You know, he puts two fish in it, one, but he can find it, and he thinks the problem's over. And the other one, he, I think he tucked under his seat, where. Um, that went on for weeks, and and and, and Duke thought it was still the same smell of the first fish, but it was the other. It was the second fish that was rotten in his car, and uh, poor Duke couldn't get rid of that smell, and he, he had to get rid of his brand new BMW. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and also I think Gordon Jury came in with the windows down every day when it was freezing cold, with about four hundred a little air freshener trees that you've got, uh, with his head sticking out the sticking out the window. So they they were funny times with the boys, but absolutely brilliant. Mr Ian Ferguson, it's been an absolute pleasure having you um, with us and giving up your time. I know that um, obviously you're over, you're going to be heading back to Australia. So thank you so much and, and best wishes to you and your family um, in these coming weeks. Thank you. Well, that's it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, absolute privilege for us to have um, Ian with us on the, on the podcast. You talk about legends and you talk about winners. Um, Ian Ferguson is certainly one of them quite rightly in our Hall of Fame and it's been an absolute privilege to speak to you. Ian's one of my heroes growing up. Um, I am a nine-year-old boy, if you, if you like, where we started going June 9 and Ian was, was somebody that I could relate to. He was what I would have wanted to be in a shirt, fighting and, and everything for the ball. 
Um, the only problem was I couldn't play football, but that's that's not my that's just the way it goes, I'm afraid. But so massive thank you, massive thank you to Chris Jack who's joined us today. Chris, thank you. No problem at all. Always good to be on, and always good to catch up with Ian as well. Some great stories there. And also a massive thank you to uh, Stuart Franklin who's joined us today, and to Jersnet for hosting. Um, get yourself on uh, Jersnet forum, and uh, get yourself following us on Twitter on Jersnet, and also on Four Lads of the Dream. We'll be trying to keep you up uh, today with all the news coming out of Rangers. Uh, even though we're at a standstill at the moment, there's plenty of news coming up. We'll, we'll have new news of new chairman pretty soon, investment, um, and we're, we're approaching times where we're going to be signing players again. It's a, a fun time, so it's never dull um, in a sporting Rangers, that's for sure. And a massive thanks also to our sponsors. They are Kenny's Crazy Costumes and also Customs Kitchen Factory. They guys are the ones that help us put on these, they help us support the industry development company and you can check them out on our website as well. So again, a massive thank you to Chris Stewart and um, our special guest Ian Ferguson. It's been a, a brilliant treat for everyone. It's been brilliant for me and until next time, ignore the nonsense, the irrelevant and the noise. Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level? Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket today. Always Rangers. Always loyal.